I'm Elizabeth. I'm, I'm an alcoholic. So I'm going to share a little bit about my experience, strength, and hope. And I'm going to stick with uh, the strength and hope part um, because <clears throat> that's kind of, I like the strength and hope part. Um, but I do will share my experience. And um, I don't really, I didn't plan what I was going to say because it's like my own story. So it's like I don't really need to plan it. But um, so my, my grandparents on both sides of my family were alcoholics. Um, my parents never drank, um, but they had alcoholic behaviors. So my dad's uh, family, they were alcoholic swarming. And on my mom's side, um, both of her parents died of cirrhosis of the liver. And so my parents married, and they were like, we don't drink. So they didn't drink. I didn't know about alcohol. Um, but whenever we did go to the parties, the, the, the family parties, I saw Aunt Alice, and Aunt Alice was fun. <laughs> she was wild, and I was like, ooh, I love Aunt Alice, and she'd get trashed, and she'd cry, and her and Uncle Joe would fight, and I was so, like, excited for them. I was like, wow, I love her. She was my favorite. <clears throat> so my parents never talked to me about alcoholism or anything, um, but I was, a, I had the thing, I had the gene, so, um, and I was always kind of emo, um, and I'll give you an example, I had a dog named Charlie, and he passed away, and when I was five, I saw La Bamba for the very first time, and I don't know how I got a hold of the tape, it was a sad song, it was like, do you know that song? <laughs> I would listen to that on repeat and just weep, and I'd say, Charlie! <laughs> and I was about five. So I was emo before emo was a thing. Um, and um, so flash forward, I was always a weird kid. Um, accidentally popular. I don't know why. I was weird as fuck. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> So seventh grade, flash forward, seventh grade happens. I meet Nicole Yoberg. She's my my best friend. She's like the, my first friend. And this whole time, I kind of like wanted to be in another family. And so um, I kind of like let them <coughs> adopt me kind of, but not really. Like I'd go hang out. And my very first <clears throat> experience with alcohol, she said, um, hey, you want to go have some red wine in the barn? And I was like, what? And... We went into the barn, and I remember I felt like a vampire tasting blood for the first time, and I was like, I want more. And she was like, what? And I, she was like, our moms are right down there. And I was like, I don't know, but I want more. And I remember getting scared. I was like, what is this thing? And I got real hot, you know, kind of. It was, like, exciting. Um, so that was my very first experience with alcohol. And then I realized, like, I must be kind of, a bad person so I got really into church and I wanted to be a pastor's wife and um, be good uh, but before that happened I discovered Pink Floyd the wall <laughs> and it totally changed my life and I decided that summer I was like I'm gonna get into acid and so <clears throat> I got into acid that next year and I was like I'm just gonna ditch all my friends because I'm recreating 
And I went on my own journey. So I tried acid, smoked pot, didn't like that, made me crawl around. Um, I was nervous. I was a nervous character. Um, so um, then I decided to get back into church. I was like, okay, I need to be a pastor's wife. So I was like, I'm going to go to a Christian college. So I found the this Christian college. And I that's like... I started seeking outside myself, um, and um, my I graduated high school, and that year I was a homecoming queen, and I remember planning it out my junior year. I was like, I or, yeah, I'm going to lay low and then un- unleash, and then the, the plan worked. I was a homecoming queen, and then I was Miss Congeniality for all of uh, California's homecoming queens. But I still felt empty inside, and I was like, that sucks. I, like, worked really hard for that. And um, I ended up going to this private college, and I didn't drink. And all the boys thought I was bad because I wore red lipstick. But I was not into shenanigans at all. Um, And I did uh, find, I decided to do massage school. So, um... I did massage school, and I found this tantric yoga community. While I'm at this Christian school, I was very dual. So I was, like, practicing with this guru lady, and then I was at this Christian school, and I decided to leave the school, and I moved to Maui. And um, I bought a VW bus. I didn't have a job when I landed, but I made jewelry. And so I went to a farmer's market, and I was like, can I sell this? And they're like, sure. So um, the next 10 years, I made jewelry and sold it. Um, And then I ended up falling in love. I thought, if I find love, this hole inside my soul will be okay. Um, And I did fall in love with this little hippie. He had a motorhome. He looked like Jesus. So I wasn't marrying Jesus, but I married or was with someone that looked like Jesus. So that was good. Um, but when that didn't work, I w- all my eggs were in that love basket. I was like, surely that will satisfy this God hole. Or I didn't know about the term, but um, so he, I broke up with him, but he really didn't. He, it was over. But he couldn't tell me that it was over, so I said, listen, uh, this isn't working. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so I was like, how sad. And, and then I remember saying, fuck it. I'm just going to drink to the oblivion and beyond. And so that's what I did. And I became full-blown alcoholic at 24. Um, and that's when I started drinking to the point where I wanted to die. And I drank to the point where I'd go on first dates and then I'd get trashed and I'd be like, I'm going to die. And they're like, oh, (laughs) see you later. (laughs) Uh, so I was kind of that drink. I was like Ann Alice. I turned into Ann Alice pretty fast. Um, and so then I, I was also a mean drinker. So I'm real sweet-ish kind of in life. And then when I drank, this is what I realized now is I wanted more, like when I was in seventh grade. Um, and so I decided I just was mean. I just I could hear someone's like sore spot, and I'd be like, hey, we're all going to die. And they'd be like, oh, like, you know, that's just... 
inappropriate to remind people when you're out just having cocktails. Um, so then I learned uh, if I liked you, I wouldn't drink with you. So um, then I drank a lot with strangers, um, and I decided to move to San Francisco, and then I met another boy. Um, and I knew I was sick at that point. I was 27, and I we didn't live in the same city. I worked at a little barn. He worked in the city city. So I was like a Jekyll and Hyde. I tried to be good when we'd spend time together. But then when he wasn't around, I was I was a little maniac. I was up to no good. Um, I was a cheater. Um, and then he said, I'm moving to Austin. Would you like to move with me? And I said, okay. I had read about this city that it was like the number one alcohol city in the world and I was like oh shit I'm gonna die but I said I'll move with you so I moved and um that didn't work out but I ended up staying and I started doing all these workshops like how to change your life and become a better human and I paid three thousand dollars for this one workshop called the wisdom course and I get trashed every Friday and I couldn't, we do these like intense workshop things and I was just trashed. Um, and then there was a chiropractor in there. Everyone's like discovering how they uh, are going to change, transform their life. And I, and this one guy was like, he had planted a seed. He told me that he didn't drink for 20 years. And I was like, what? And I didn't, but it got planted. I was like baffled by that. Um, and my coach in there was like, maybe you could consider going to AA. And I said, okay, that sounds good. And so uh, the year before I got sober, I went to Westlake. And I went for 14 days. And then I started, I guess I started the steps. I asked for a sponsor day one. But um, I didn't know what I was getting into. And 14 days go by. And it was so intense emotionally, I said, fuck this shit. And I went out that night. It was Halloween, and I got arrested that night. And I had no bottoms on. I don't know where my bottoms were, but I was driving. And I, by this point, I tinkled my pants when I drank. I drank till I peed myself. Um, and that kind of had been happening since I was 25, but I didn't, like, acknowledge it. Um, but... That, so, so that's the, my truth. Um, and um, so I got arrested. I had a probation officer. Um, and I was like, this is kind of weird. I was a homecoming queen, you know? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> uh, and uh, I was so kind of like... The last night, I had got a job, a night job. I was like, okay, I'm going to get a night job, and it'll keep me out of trouble. Um, but I started drinking before I went to work. And um, my last night out, I spent my, my whole paycheck, and I called in. And I'm super-duper reliable if I want to be. And I just started, like, uh, decaying. Like, all my things I was, I don't know, my outward world just started decaying. And by the time I came in, I was a couch surfer. I spent $100 to live on this couch. And there was, it was a meth house. And I went to my job, and 
I secretly wanted to die. I was like, these people don't care. I'm just sleeping on their couch, going to work. Like, that was my plan. Um, but a girl in there was like, hey, I think you would like this place called Bolden. And she had gone to rehab. And it's so cute that, um, like, in a place like that, that someone would plant another kind of seed. Um, and she came with me, and we sat right there. And I remember... Um, I just, something had shifted. And I remember when I heard, may, may you find him now? I was like, I want to find him now or her now, whatever that is. And that was the last time I felt truly alone. Um, and so I heard people saying things like, uh, keep coming back. So I did. Um, and I saw him every day. He's this is my litter mate, <laughs> one of my litter mates, and um, <laughs> he had like maybe a minute more than I did, and I was like, he's a god. And then there was this other guy, Shannon, sat back there, and he never talked, but I was like, Shannon's here. I feel better. <laughs> like I, do, he just made me feel safe. Uh, I came to meetings. They said, um, they said you know, come to 90 and 90, and I had done the Bikram 90 and 90 before, so I was like, oh, I love 90 90s, so I did the 90 and 90 twice, um, and because <laughs> I love intensity, um, and then, uh, let's see, they said to get a sponsor, and so I said, ooh, if I'm going to be spending time with someone, I'm going to pick the cutest boy in the room to be my sponsor. And I asked Darren, I in the back, I planned it, and I go, will you be my sponsor? And he goes, I haven't done the steps. And I go, I grabbed his hands, and I said, it's okay. We'll do it together. <laughs> and then he says, I got to pray about it. And that's my sponsor. <laughs> and I said, Okay. <laughs> And then one day I was all tore up. I was either going to get married, have a baby, or die. And and then I said, well, I'll get a sponsor, so a real lady one. So <laughs> I was sitting where Jim is, and I remember this one lady. She looked so pretty. She had a, like, it looked like she had it together. And I said, oh, I want what she has. And she seemed confident and cute and so I went up to her after and this other girl also went up to her and we're like these little ladies we're all can you sponsor us so that girl's my sponsor sister there's me and then she was like okay and she goes are you willing to go to any length and I said yes I didn't know what that meant so <laughs> yeah and so she said me okay we're gonna start the steps and um, we'll meet once a week and do the steps. So we met once a week and we went to OPA. Um, and so basically I'm going to tell you what worked for me. And then I, I, I'm so grateful for her. She was a lifeline. She met with me every week at that OPA. I always did the best that I could. Um, and it worked. And a huge thing, first step, she was like, write a list of all how you're powerless and how it's unmanageable. And I'm just going to be honest with you. The thing that helped me stay sober is the pee thing. Because I drink till I piss my pants. I'm not a lady. I, I'm like, 
when someone would ask me, do you want to go drink in my head? I was like, to the edge and beyond. Like, this is on. We're going to kill it. We're going to, like, Pink Floyd's on the background. And, like, these people are just wanting to go get a get a drink. <laughs> so, uh, that's my truth. I'm kind of funny. Um, and so I wrote all this down, and I told her. I told her all this. And she's like, okay, step two. Um, and I told her, I said, I think God's the devil. And she was like, okay. She goes, let's consider, let's consider, let's do a new idea. And I go, okay. And so I get this email. This is no joke. I get this email. It says, do you want to connect with your spirit guide? And I was like, yeah. And so I, I learned how. She said, to uh, what you do is you just go out into nature and you ask your spirit guide, reveal yourself to me in the form of an animal. And I do things in an accent because it's more fun. So I said, reveal yourself to me in the form of an animal. And a fucking yellow butterfly landed on my nose. And I was like, what the hell? And I Googled it. I'm like, I'm on a spiritual research now. So I was like, what is this? So I look up Native American totem animals. So it was about transformation. So I took it as a sign and I was like, I'm I'm on a whatever so I shared it with her she's like okay we're on step three so uh what she had me do is start to pray on my knees um and I would do it in the shower when I was all naked and uh I just felt vulnerable and I was like crying I'm like oh this is who I am and I don't know. Yeah, I started a relationship with God in the shower, and um, I introduced myself. I said, hello, I'm Elizabeth. I'd like to know you. <laughs> and uh, so it's grown from there. Now we're buddies. Um, the fourth step, I did the best I could. Um, it was like half a page. It was, it was like, it, I tried. I was like kind of in de- delusion, denial. So she said, just do the best you can. And on that fourth step, I had a little bit of an outside issue. Um, as a kid, my grandparents on my dad's side, um, he, he, my grandfather molested a lot of the grandkids. Oh, no, he molested a lot of my aunts and uncles. And then, so my parents never talked about it, but they always said, don't go near grandpa. And I was like, no problem. He words me out, so I didn't. But... My uncles had been molested, and my uncles molested my brother. So my brothers molested me from the age of 3 to about 13. And so I was always kind of weirded out about that. And um, I remember putting that on my four-step, and, and I didn't know what my part was. And she was like, she's like, you don't have a part. She said, she said what your part is allowing that to destroy your future and so that was my part and that was the beginning where I got to once the steps a a couple years after that I did a thing called EMDR around that particular thing and that's completely cleared now but that first four step I just was as honest as I could and then she also said is there anything else and then I was like I'm going to share my thing with you guys but I had a slingshot as a kid, and this would haunt me. But I didn't like toads, and I would slingshot them. <laughs> and then 
and I'd run and get him and slingshot him again. And it was the worst. This was like, I was like, what kind of person is this? But, and then I realized that I was sad and angry and I didn't know how to process my feelings. So that's why I was a, a toad slinger. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so that got out of my space and that I was going to take that to the grave. I was like, I'm never going to tell anybody about the slingshot shit. And so that got out of my space. So that, uh, that's like one of my skeletors or my skeletons. Um, and then, so fist up, I told her that was happening, and then six and seven was so hard, and she said, um, I realized, like, a couple years later that it's because I was trying to remove my own defects. I didn't know. <laughs> so then, that, it was hard for me, but she kept, she's like, let's just keep going, keep going. I was like, okay. So then we get to step eight, and then step nine, and... My my biggest amends was to a friend in San Francisco. Um, she basically I owed her three hundred dollars. I owe a lot of people money. I was so scared of the night so I was like, "Fuck! I owe so many people." I'd once hawked a guitar because I needed some money. It wasn't even mine. It was like uh, uh, anyway. I have since made amends. Um, but this one girl, I owed her three hundred dollars, and I asked her you know, is there anything I can do? I, I'm in recovery. And she said, I need to stop you. And she said, I don't care about the money. She's like, it's when you would drink, you would bring strange people to my house. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even remember that that was why she didn't. She said, I don't want people like you in my life. And so I was like, wow, I didn't, I was so worried about the money, but for her it was about these strange people I was bringing around. And the truth is, is I was using people to get rides because I lived far away and I didn't want to drive drunk. So I would meet these fun people and then be like, we're going to San Francisco. And so that's, I'm glad that that amends happened because I, it was different than what I thought it was going to how it was going to be and I learned a perspective of another human being and she's still not my friend um but it was a huge learning experience um and step 10 continue to take personal inventory um my very I I did a lot where I wrote them down and then I'd call my sponsor I'm a titty baby so I always called my sponsor all the time and I still do always every day uh and one time she wasn't picking up and I remember I was so angry at this co-worker he uh I thought that he didn't do his job and so I was doing his job and then finally I said you're just lazy and we got into this big argument in the lobby and I was like you're a loser <laughs> and like he was just like what and I was like I have to do your job and and I knew right away when it was happening that, ah, oh, I was like, what's my part? What's my part? What's my? But I was still going off. And I went to the bus stop, and I was like, what the fuck just happened? And I called her. I prayed. And what, like, my higher power was telling me was, I am not in control of him, and I'm being controlling and bossy and demanding and like just drama dramatic and so I called him 
I prayed about it before and I called him. I said, listen, I'm not your boss. I, you know, if there's anything I can do to make this right, I don't want to have that kind of hostility. And he's, you know, he thanked me. And ever since that, we were fine. But it was my first, like, uh, not training wheels 10th step where I was like, God, I'm controlling. Like, just seeing all the, what's my part, you know? Um, and manipulative, you know, just that. And just right on the spot making, doing the best I can and asking what, what can I do to make it right. Um, and step 11, I started, in my first year, I started to go to, I went to the the 1990s here, 8 o'clock every day in the context of these steps. Um, and I, I planted myself at the 8 o'clock Bolden and then um, the women's meeting at 11.30 every Saturday. And then I also planted myself at the Zen meeting on Sundays at the Zen Center. Um, and so I didn't realize it, but that was like my 11th step. Um, and I rode the bus, so I read, people said, read page 86. And so I said, okay. And so I read 86. I read the daily reflection. Uh, and then, I mean, that was like, I'd pray on the bus. I'd be asking the gods to reveal themselves to me in the form of animals. And I got into other weird little practices. Um, I like candles. I'm kind of funny. I'm, I'm a funny 11-step person. Um, and then when step 12 came, I was about a year sober. And so I was at the women meeting and I raised my hand on my, my year, you know, release. And then I found a sponsee. I led her through the steps and, uh, I got two little sponsees and then I led both of them through the steps. I found another sponsor cause that sponsor moved to New York um, and then we did the steps around food. We'd go to Weight Watchers, and then we'd meet at the women meeting. And I lost 60 pounds and have maintained. Um, the third year, I did the steps around relationships in SLAA because I was in love with the idea of love. And I was an anorectic, so I didn't really like sex. I was, like, in love with the idea, but as soon as sex happened, I would be like, ah, like freak out. Uh, so then right about that time, I also incorporated um, EMDR. So I had a therapist and I went to see her every Wednesday for a, a whole fall. Um, the fourth year, I started ACOA. So and I, I always come to Bolden, but I'm always like exploring other things. Um, the ACOA is Families of Alcoholics, and I learned all of my weird little behaviors, like, I can do it on my own <laughs> type things. Like, now I give and receive. Um, year five, I did some Al-Anon, and uh, I didn't really finish the steps in there, but I still, you know, it's kind of a master's program of this stuff. <laughs> um, and... I started my own business around that time, and um, one of the things in SLAA, so I'm just always going deeper, deeper and deeper and kind of exploring, and one of the things I saw in SLAA is I was always attracting unavailable people, 
And the big, like, aha was that I was actually unavailable to people. And I would attract unavailable people because it was nice because they didn't bother me. (laughs) And then, so then I was like, oh, shit. So then I was like, well, so what I created was... um, that's a whole other program, but what I, what I created was being available, and so I took myself on dates, and I, like, learned how to self-care, um, and since then, I have attracted, I, I became available to myself, and I have attracted an available person, and we've been together for almost four years, um, and that is, is a rich experience. We have two dogs, a cat, and, um, I feed the birds, <laughs> uh, but they're not really ours. They're just, um, anyway. Uh, and uh, I have two sponsees. I, I like to have two sponsees, and sometimes they rotate. Sometimes they need things that I can't offer them, so they'll outgrow me, um, and I love it. And, and I do that with my sponsors. So that, that second sponsor I had, I had an ACOA sponsor that was sober in this program, as well as there. Um, and my current sponsor, she's the cutest little thing. So I realized that I wanted someone I could trust. And her last name is Trust. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's cute. And I asked her, I felt God, like, or whoever, the things um, th- they were telling me, ask that little girl. And my, my guardian angels are really sweet. They're like, try that out. Like, they're like... They're real cute. They're real cute with me. Um, So I asked her, and she's been with me for two years now. And I'm seriously like a titty baby. I call her. I'm like, Granny, I tried a new meditation. Oh, I call her Grandma. (laughs) She calls me Grandma, too. It's just weird. (laughs) Together, we're the little grandmas. (laughs) But um, so flash forward to yesterday. Um, I'm always growing. I'm always expanding. I don't have that deep sadness and loneliness anymore. Um, and, uh, that's awesome. But I can relate to when people do. Um, like I had a friend, she would, she told me yesterday, she was like, sometimes I feel like going into the ocean and not coming out. And I was like, I know, I, I, I go, well, let's go make some earrings first. <laughs> she made me these. <laughs> but, like, I try to bring fun to everything because I know what it's like to be sad and have, like, a black hole inside. But I, no matter what I don't drink and no matter what I don't kill myself, um, and those are important for me because I have, like, one of those somber emo souls. Um, so I, those two I don't do and I don't drink and I keep coming back. Um, and yesterday, my friend, she was like, will you come with me to a, a, medita- a sound meditation? And, like, the ego part of me is like, oh, I've been to meditations. You know, like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, my person inside has an accent. Um, <laughs> but I said, sure, I'll go. And so she picked me up. We went, and it, it blew my mind. It was so cool. It was like an 11-step for me. Um... And it was like I got grounded in my body, and I was also 100% soul. 
So I'm going to go back to that thing. I almost wanted to stay there all day. I was like, can we just stay here all day? She's like, no, costs $20 every time. <laughs> kind of a lot. <laughs> um, so I'm always exploring and expanding. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I like to stay connected. I come here um, often and I go to Northland too because it's seven minutes from my house. But I feel more comfortable here. Over there, it's like real ladies, like serious ones. <laughs> and they're cute, and I listen to them. But I secretly still feel like a wacky lady. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I, I intentionally left space open. So I like when people share. Um, and my favorite thing about staying sober continually is getting better, of course. But I love seeing other people get better. Like little Meeps, he's now a therapist. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he's now a grown-up. Yeah. And fabulous. And I get to see Reese and his son grow up. Marilyn. Jim, I love seeing Jim. Mike. <laughs> I saw him at the Thanksgiving last year, and I, I always carry glitter. And I was like, would you like some glitter? <laughs> I didn't know he had like a couple days or something. I was like, I just had so, I was having so much fun. <laughs> and I do have glitter right now. Um, but anyway, anyway. <laughs> so I feel like the best version of me, um, and I'm sober, and it's so cool. And I, I'm going to just keep coming back because I, even though I have seven years, I feel like my space is clear, but there's more to kind of kind of do. Um, I had a little book up here. Someone took my book. <laughs> I'm gonna read one little thing. It's it's the cutest, little, and I use cute a lot because I feel like my higher power is real gentle with me, because. I, some people need, like, a tough one, but I just need someone to be sweet and nice and kind because I'm mainly that, too. Um, but this is, um, this is called First the Foundation, and I'm going to end with this. Is sobriety all that we can expect of a spiritual awakening? No. Sobriety is only the bare beginning, as Bill sees it, page 8. Practicing the AA program is like building a house. First, I had to pour a big, thick concrete slab on which to erect the house. That, to me, was the equivalent of stop drinking. But it's pretty uncomfortable living on, in a, <laughs> living on a concrete slab, unprotected and exposed to the heat, cold, wind, and rain. So I built a room on the slab by starting to practice the program. The first room was rickety because I wasn't used to the work. But as time passed, as I practiced the program, I learned to build a better, better rooms. The more I practiced, the more I built, the more comfortable and happy was the home I now live in. So that's what my experience of being in this program. I get to have a foundation, and now I'm building. Um, and, I, and one thing I want to end with this, it's a Buddhist prayer, and it's helped me a lot. Um, and it says, may I be safe, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be at peace. May you be safe, 
May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be at peace. May all beings be safe. May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be at peace. Thank you. Thank you.